Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. We are in a series of messages that we've titled Sacred Trust. And, you know, it, it may seem in this season of time leading up to the, the weeks where we commemorate the sacrifice of our Lord and we walk again afresh through the passion of the Christ and we see him suffering and bleeding, dying for us, offering himself the propitiation of our sins and giving himself on Calvary. And then we look forward with that anticipation knowing that it's only Friday, but Sunday's coming. And, and we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, then we know that in him, all of the promises of God are yes and in him, amen, because there's an empty tomb that bears witness. There's an empty tomb that bears witness that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven and that we can be assured of an eternity with God in the splendor of his kingdom. And, you know, we ought to celebrate in that. But it brings to mind another question. And that question is, seeing then that all these things shall be, what manner of person ought we to be? So we've taken a time, a little season of time here leading up to Resurrection Sunday, not so much to, to, to focus on the sacrifice of Christ, but to focus on ourselves in light of Christ's sacrifice to examine our hearts and, and to find out really honestly who is the Lord of my life because while it is all so easy to claim Christ as Savior, it is altogether another venture to permit him and live submissively before him as our Lord. You know, we, we reference him Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Well, those are two entirely different things. Because it's easy, it's so easy to, to claim him as Savior, but it's something different to, to own him as our Lord and allow him to have that rule and reign in our lives. So we've taken three subjects that, that, that we often encounter in this life that often will, if they go unchecked and unguided and untempered by the truth of the word, will lead us to a place of self-centeredness and self-centeredness is a prison. It is, it is a bondage. It is a, it is a place of bondage and we need to be broken free from that because I believe that we serve the God of the exceeding abundantly above everything that we think or ask today and I believe that he wants our focus to be so right in, this, in these last days before his return that we see him do miracles that we could only imagine, that we see people being saved, set free, baptized in the Holy Spirit, delivered from vices and addictions at an exponential rate but we've got to be as my lovely bride likes to say smack dab in the middle of his wheel we've got to, we've got to be right there in the middle and in in the will of God in the perfect will of God there's no place for self-centeredness there's no place for me to exalt myself above God there's no place for me to become the idol of my life. 
So we're, we're talking about this, these, these sacred trusts, things that have been given to us that it's so easy for us to usurp ownership of and claim them as our own. Last week, we talked about our time. We reference my time and I don't have the time and we make all these decisions about our time as if it belonged to us. But we learned from the psalmist last week that our time is in his hands. We only have the time that we've been granted, that we only have the time that we've been given by God. We only have the time that has been uh, issued us through a divine trust, a sacred trust. And today I want to spend a few minutes talking with you about another sacred trust, and that sacred trust is our things. Our things. And I want to share with you a story from the Bible in a way that perhaps you may not have considered it before. And uh, as, I was, as I was studying and prepping for this message, just a few key points came out that I was like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I've ever really considered this this way, so I know it was from the Lord. And, uh, you know, there, there are two things that I consider myself to be. Number one, I consider myself to be a student of the Word. A student of the Bible I want to understand I want to I want to know the word I want to understand where it's applicable and then another thing that I consider myself to be is a little bit of a student of human nature and and too often and we all need to be those two things in some degree as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ if we're really going to go hard after him we all need to be those two things in some degree because here and here's why I say that you say well pastor it's obvious we need to be students of the Bible okay we get it we get it we get it but the reason I say you need to be a student of human nature is because you also need to be aware of your own self you need to be aware of your own self because too often we're we are so acquainted with the principles of scripture but we have no idea how they relate to us we we know the scriptures but we never stop to think for a moment now how those events would have affected us or how we would have responded in like situations we think it's awful that that peter denied the lord and it is but i want to just ask you the hypothetical question this morning how would you have responded if you were in peter's place if you were there gathered around following Jesus afar and, and people began to make the connection between you and the accused, how would you have responded in that moment? We think it's terrible that, you know, the Lord spoke to Moses and instructed Moses, Moses, go and speak to the rock. Yet in Moses' frustration and in Moses' anger, Moses goes over and strikes the rock instead of speaking to it. And I would ask you today, you know, how would you have responded? What would you have done if you were responsible for the livelihood of several million people and you called out to God and the best God could come back with was, well, why don't you go over and have a convo with the rock? Right? I mean, what, what do we do in that moment? Let me ask you this. What would you do tomorrow morning if you got called into to the office 
of the owner of your company I'm not talking about your supervisor. I'm not talking about the, the branch manager. I'm talking about the owner of the corporation. What would you do tomorrow if you got called into the owner's office and he says to you, listen, I'm going away for a bit. And while I'm away, I'm entrusting to you a portion of the assets of my company for you to manage while I'm away. But I'm entrusting one of your coworkers with twice the amount that I'm entrusting you. But wait, there's more. I'm entrusting another of your coworkers with five times the amount that I'm entrusting to you. In that scenario, I want to ask you, what do you do? How do you respond? How do you handle that? And, and that's exactly what happened to three guys in Jesus' parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. So if you want to go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to spend a few minutes here in the, in the parable of the talents. And I just want to read that whole thing through for you, and then we'll jump in from there and begin to dissect the text a little bit this morning. But Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14, the word of the Lord reads this way. Jesus is speaking here, and he's teaching, and he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his servants and delivered his goods to them and to one he gave five talents to another two to another one to each one according to his ability and immediately he went on a journey and then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents and likewise he who had received the two gained two more also but he who had received the one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money Remember, there's a huge difference between calling somebody our Savior and calling him our Lord. But he hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered uh, to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joys of your Lord. He also who had received the two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents, and look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. And I went and hid your talents in the ground, and look, there you have what is yours. But the Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you know that I reap where I have not sown, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. 
you are to have at least deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest so take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents for everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth now today I want to point to a few characteristics of the story that I believe are, are tied to the reasons that so many people find it difficult to release their faith in the area of stewarding the sacred trust that God has given to us. And there are just a few things in this narrative that, that stroke our humanity in a very peculiar way that sedates our faith muscles. And I want to tell you something. The word says, the just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's right. So you and I, it's, it's imperative that we live lives of faith, walking and living by faith under the lordship of Jesus Christ that we understand that the things that we've been granted our time our things our talents they all belong to God they're given to us by grant and we have to leverage those things by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ if we're to please him how many of you want to live lives pleasing to the Lord amen you want to hear that you want to hear that well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things I will make you ruler over many amen I think that's what we're all living for so number one I want to show you that today that there are there are inequalities in this story there are inequalities in this story now if we're again if we're any bit students of human nature we must surmise and factor in that there was something in that one talent man that said if I had you know what I'm standing here with this one talent and I could have done X Y and Z but I only got the one talent if I had been given two talents or if somebody had trusted me with the five talent then I could have done X Y and Z but because I only have the one talent therefore I'm rendered incapable therefore I can't do too often we we fail to look at our blessing in relationship to the nature of the giver and rather we spend all our time in comparison to how someone else is being blessed can I tell you something today church it is so easy to stand around with the blessing of God in hand And, and, and rather than focus on the blessing and say, God, you've blessed me. You picked me up. You turned me around. You pulled my life out of the miry pit. You have set me on a rock and you have established me and you have given me life and favor and blessing. And rather than stand on that, we begin to look around and say, well, if 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 God had blessed me like Sabu, then then I could. But I, all I've got is this. 
This is, this is all the blessing. But if, 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 if God had blessed me like my neighbor back here or my neighbor over there, then, then I could. But, you know, I don't, I, don't know about, I don't know about really stepping out on faith right now because this is, this is what I got. This is what I got. And, and we don't behold the blessing saying, thank you, God. We're looking around rather asking, why not me? And I, I, said, I said last week, a self-centered life is a prison. And the more we begin to compare the way that God is blessing and the way that God is moving in our lives and the things that he has entrusted to us with the things that he has entrusted to someone else, the more we are opening the gate for self-centeredness to begin to flood into our lives. And then the question becomes all about not what look what God has done, but well, God, why didn't you do something else? And if you and I are going to go deeper in Christ Jesus, we cannot live self-centric lives. We have to live for the glory of God. We have to live for his praise. We have to live for the advance of his kingdom. And we have to say, Lord, no matter how meager it seems, no matter how small it is, in the eyes of the rest of the world, I know that you've entrusted me with the life that I have, the time that I have, the things that I've been given. And God, I want you to take my loaves, take my fish, God, Break it and multiply it and bless it for your glory because your servant is here to love you and serve you and honor you with all that I am and all that I have. Hmm. And it's easy. It's easy for us to somehow feel slighted because we've not been given the same opportunities as, as some others. I've, I once had a friend who said, you know, they say money can't buy happiness, but I'd like the opportunity to test that theory. And, and once we get our eyes off of what's in our hands and what's in someone else's, we fall into the trap of comparison and we're less likely to be appreciative of what we've been entrusted. And the less appreciative we are of what's been entrusted, the more likely we are to bury it in the earth. But I want to point something out to you here because you're all identifying with me and here's a, here's a blow to our humanity. This is just a shot to the carnality right here. But it's not just inequality in the distribution of talents that's represented here in this text. I don't know if you caught it when we were coming through but in verse 15 there's another inequality that's, that's mentioned there too. It's not just in the distribution of the gifts in the, in the parting out of amounts, but it's in the capability of the recipient. The word says, and the master called the servants in and he distributed to them according to their abilities. In other words, if they had all been ready for a five-talent blessing, then they would have all received a five-talent blessing. If they'd all been ready for the two-talent blessing, then they'd all received a two-talent blessing. If they'd all been at the station where all they needed was the one-talent blessing, then the one-talent blessing would have been all they'd got. And I've got to tell you something. I cannot even begin to tell you 
the hours of my life spent around an altar praying crying out to God and saying oh God if you would just do this for me if you would just do this for me if you would just open this door for me if you would just grant me this thing if you would allow me to and Lord if you would and on and on and on the prayer goes only to find out later down the road I'm going to say a dirty word process sometimes we we know what we we just can see a vision of grandeur in the off in the horizon and we know that what we expect from God and what we anticipate from God and what we'd like to see God do in our lives but the truth of the matter is we're not ready we, we were over here with the one talent and we had it hid in the earth and it was buried under us as we're at an altar calling out to God and saying, God, why don't I have the five? And God's just standing there the whole time saying, well, if you take the step of faith that, uh, that, you, that you've got in your hand right now, if you'd be faithful with the one, you might eventually get to the five. And I'm going to tell you something. It is a humbling experience when you move down the road and God's blessing and favor begins to open up over your lives and you realize that the reason that it can't, didn't come sooner is because you were too stinking immature to have handled it if God had given it to you. You were too bound up in insecurity. You were, too, you were too wrapped up in yourself to have utilized it had God given it to you. So he just didn't because you weren't ready. Listen, when my kids started driving, nothing wrong with it, nothing, nothing wrong at all. I, I think they're kind of cute and I wouldn't mind having one myself. But... We, Pastor Lisa and I went and we found them some nice, reliable Toyota Corollas. The reason being because they were inexperienced. And we could have went, Byron, and bought them Corvettes. But they weren't ready. I mean, let's face it, they, 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 they hadn't been through enough scenarios where they needed that kind of horsepower under the hood. Come on, somebody. You know, I got some friends. I got to tell you something. I got several friends that when they turned 16, I mean, their folks went off and bought them Firebirds and Trans Ams and all that cool stuff. And man, it's really something to see. And, you know, more than one of those guys ran those things through the ditch because they just weren't at a level of maturity to handle and, and, and church, we just got to get our eyes off of what somebody else has and where somebody else is at and really focus on what God is trying to do in our lives right now. And then you might understand what's going on and what God's doing. And you'll understand that the master distributes according to the ability. And the two-talent guy wasn't ready for the five-talent blessing. And the one-talent guy wasn't ready for the two. And it shows more as this story unfolds and as we're considering the inequality around us it might do us well to consider if we could even handle more than we have and our faith stay intact because the word the question is asking the word what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul 
And I cannot tell you how many people that when they get more, they've got no time for God. I mean, that you will say, they probably, oh God, Lord Jesus, Lord, we want the house, we want the baby, we want the this, we want the that, we want another thing. And then all of a sudden the door of opportunity opens up and you don't see them no more. No more. And I'm telling you, it would be better, Jesus says, for you to go through this life blind and maimed than to be thrown into the lake of fire. It would be better. It's no profit whatsoever if we gain the whole world but lose our soul in the end. Our faith may not be ready. It may not be strong enough. Some people get more. They get more. And and the more they get, the, the, the busier they become until they're too busy for God. Second thing, this isn't as short as I thought it was going to be. Second thing is that the values in this, in this narrative are irrelevant. The values are irrelevant. According to Nave's topical Bible, the one who possessed five talents of gold or silver, whatever it was, was a multimillionaire by today's standards. Some calculate the talent in the parables to be equivalent of 20 years wages. So the five talent man would have had 100 years wages for the common labor in that day. Other scholars estimate more conservatively valuing uh, a New Testament talent somewhere. And this is so wide, I don't even know why they couldn't narrow it down a little bit. But between $1,000 and $30,000. My guess would be just as good. Amen. So, but, but the point is that cash value here is, is irrelevant. Because can I tell you that when, when, you're, when you're surveying your life, when you're taking inventory of your life, the question never is, how much did you have? The question never is, how much do you have? And the question in this parable is not, how much did you have? The question was then, the question is now, and the question will always be, what did you do with what you were given? That's, that's, the, that's the thing. That's the, that's the important part here. It has nothing to do about the five or the two or the one or what the value of those things are. What are you doing today with the life that you've been given? What are you doing today with the time that you've been granted? What are you doing today with the talents that God has vested in your life? What are you doing today with the goods that have been put in your hand? And the master, see the principle is what's applicable here. The master expected the same thing from the two talent man that he expected from the five talent man. And and he expected the same thing from the one talent guy that he did from the two talent guy. And that was simply that they be found wise and faithful stewards of what the master had entrusted to them. That's it, that's it. Well, you may come to church and say, well, Pastor Steve, you know, if I had to stand in front of a crowd with a mic strapped in my face, I wouldn't be able to say three words. I mean, it just, that's not my thing. So because I can't do what you do, then I'm just not going to do anything. No. And you may say, well, I've seen, I've seen Brother Jim leading the men, or I've seen Pastor Lisa doing her thing, or Pastor Trey and Kellen up here leading worship, and I just couldn't do anything. So I just can't. What you're called to do has nothing to do with what everybody else is called and gifted to do. 
you are a part of the body of Christ and because you are not the eye you can't say the body has no need of me be a hand be a foot be an ear be something <laughs> that was deep and theological I'm sorry Here's, here's the second part of that principle. We, we look at the amounts and we get caught up on the amounts and the amounts are irrelevant because the question's not about what you had. It's about what did you do with what you were granted. But here's the amazing thing. The amount doesn't matter because all of the amounts that were given as grand as we might imagine that some of those were, it was considered small relative to the master's ability to bless. Even the guy that he had blessed the biggest and said, here, come on in here. Let's, let's just make you an instant multimillionaire overnight right now in this moment. Let's just go ahead and fix this right now. I want you to notice when it came down to it and the, and the day of reckoning came, when that man came back and said, here it is, Lord. I've been faithful with what you've given me. I've sown for the advance of your kingdom. I've been pouring it out. I've been giving it away. I've been working. I've been cultivating. I've been tilling the ground so that your kingdom could be advanced through my life when he brought it back in and said here Lord this is what I've done listen to the words of the master well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful in the small things you've been faithful with a little bit you've been faithful with just a portion I'm going to make you ruler over a lot isn't that amazing isn't that incredible and I'm telling you today church listen to me he was just as prepared that master it's not stated but he was just as prepared to say to the one talent guy hey you've been faithful in the small things come on in here and let me bless you with more than you could have ever imagined who would say in this place I know I've been blessed who would say, I know that God can bless me in greater measure than ever before? I can go deeper in the blessing and favor of God. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joys of your Lord. The final thing I want to share with you today is that in this, in this process, faith is essential faith is essential saying you believe something and behaving like you believe something are two different things and this is the contrast that we find in verses 24 and 25 of this text it says then he who had received the one talent came and said lord i knew you to be a hard man this this cat don't even make any sense right now okay i knew you to be a hard man reaping where you had not sown gathering where you had not scattered seed so what I do I didn't even bother to earn you the interest at the bank I went and dug a hole in the ground buried your talent because after all you gather where you've not sown seed <laughs> so I expected you just to be satisfied for me to break even let me just tell you something. 
one of the most glaring things about this text that I see is that living a break-even life is not acceptable in the eyes of the Lord. When Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, he didn't mean that you'd get to the other side and break even. He wants your life to count for eternity. He wants you to be able to come back and say, Lord, this is what I had. It, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a lot. But I used it. I gave it all away for your glory. I gave, it, I gave it up for you, Lord. I poured it out. I served others. I gave the cup of cold water in your name. I greeted at the church. I tried to give the, the gift of hospitality. I did anything I could find to do, Lord. I served you the best I could. Now, Lord, here it is. I give it. This is my offering. This guy had rehearsed these lines, and he said, and listen, I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. And look, there you have what is yours. Now, I want to pause here really quickly. If I ask you today to say what is the opposite of faith, you're going to answer me and say doubt. And I'm no expert, but I would tell you that doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt is not the opposite of faith. The antithesis of faith is fear. Because I can't tell you in my lifetime, and I'm speaking a little bit experientially, but I, I can't tell you in my lifetime how many times that I believe I've heard from the Lord, I doubt that it's going to work, but by faith, you take the step. Let me tell you something. There had to have been something in the back of Peter's mind when he stepped off the side of that boat that said, listen, I doubt this is going to work. But nevertheless, Lord, at your word. And he steps out. He never sank because of the physical properties and, and the, the, the physical impossibility of a man walking on water. He, he didn't sink because he had a little measure of doubt in his heart that said, water doesn't support guys walking on it. He sank when he saw the wind and the waves and became fearful. Fear is the opposite of faith. And see, you're gonna, the reason I say this is because when you go out of this place and you, you begin to get on your face before God and begin to seek God and say, Lord, how, how do you want me to be used? What do you want me to do with the life you've given me? How do you want me to invest my talents? How do you want me to invest what you've entrusted to me? How do you want me to steward the things that you've put in my hand? And God's going to speak back some things to you. And he's going to say, well, I need you to go to, I need you to go to whichever one of the pastors and I need you to share your heart with them. And this is, this is what I want you to do. And you're going to say, oh, I could, I could never do that. I could never do that. And uh, I want to tell you, there was a day that I, somebody said, well, you think, you think you'll ever pastor a church? And I said, oh, I could never do that. And I don't know how well I'm doing at it today but anyway here I am right so here's the thing you're gonna have doubts that's okay 
because faith can overcome a doubt when you begin to take strides of faith when you begin to take steps of faith doubt begins to diminish but if you allow yourself to be imprisoned in fear you will never take the step of faith that conquers the doubt are you with me It's not stated clearly in this text, but it's safe to assume from the story that the two-talent guy and the five-talent guy also knew the character and the nature of their master, and they acted accordingly. They acted by faith. They might have been scared to death, too. They might have said, well, Lord, what if I lose it all? What if I do this and it's not accepted? What if I, what if I do this and, and it doesn't, it's not received well? But they took the step of faith, they invested, they moved, they, they, they tried to advance the kingdom and they were blessed in response. Now, here's a few take-homes and you may say, you may argue that you don't have much to offer in the grand scheme of things, but stewardship is not as much about how it affects what's around you. It's more about how it affects what's inside you. And I wanna tell you that obedience is better than sacrifice because sacrifice can be done out of a form, out of a motion of heartless lip service. But obedience changes the heart. Obedience changes the heart. And if, if we'll just move in obedience to the call and the will of God in our lives and we'll be faithful to steward the things that he's given us, we will hear those words, you have been faithful over a few things, now I will make you ruler over many. Listen to me, church, don't you dare have the audacity to ask God for more if you're not faithful with what you've got. Remember the master in this story dispensed to each one according to their ability. Whatever your hand in life today, it is expected by God that you play it to the full. Stewardship. You know, we talk about stewardship and immediately everybody thinks of tithing. And that's just the start. Like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna give our 10% to the Lord and the rest of it's ours. No. You're gonna give 10% to the Lord because it's his, and then you're gonna steward the 90% like it's his, because it's all his. The first fruits are his, the rest of the lump is his, it all, it's all his. And we say, well, we come to the house of the Lord on Sunday morning, we give God our time, we've, we've paid homage to the Lord, now we're going out here and we're going to spend our time. No, when you go out these doors, you're still spending God's time. And you come in this place, you use your gifts, your abilities, your talents. And you say, well, I've done my thing for the Lord. Now I'm going to go out here and use these talents for me. No, you're still using God's talents. Why such a harsh ending for the one talent guy? Why, did, why didn't the master just say, well, listen, you, you guys go ahead and hear the special place. And you, you sit over here. You, you're in timeout. He said, no, you, you cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. This series is called Sacred Trust. It's about things that have been granted, that we've been granted to have in this life, and it addresses areas wherein it's easy for us to put ourself above God.
And it doesn't matter how many things you have, but what matters is how many things have you. And idolatry is anything in your heart and in your life that gets exalted above God. And in the sacred trust of time and things and talents, we can't allow any of those things to get exalted above God in our lives. That's why he calls us to live sacrificially in these areas is so that we can keep that stuff in check. And we can say, Lord, let my heart be where it needs to be before you. I have all for you forsaken and all my idols torn. God, keep my heart in the right place and help me to love and serve you. Would you stand all over this beautiful congregation today? Father, I I stand before this great congregation this morning and I look to you, Lord. And God, I just... I sense in my spirit that there are a lot of people in this room, maybe even watching online today, who have surmised the the level of your blessing. Far beneath what it actually is. They're living in comparison and saying, well, God, I, I can't do what someone else can do. Therefore, I'm not. God, I just pray that you would open our eyes today, Lord, to see the thing that we have in our hand, the things that we've been entrusted. And God, that you would raise us up in this moment, faithful stewards. Faithful stewards, good and faithful servants. The one day we'll hear that much coveted word, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Lord, we come to you right now and we establish an altar in our hearts and in this room. And God, we just pour our hearts out before you and we ask you, Holy Spirit, search our hearts and know our way, oh God, and see if there's anything in us that has exalted itself above you that we've allowed to get out of check. That we're not first honoring you. and subjugating that area of our lives to your Lordship. Help us recognize, Lord, any place where we've become self-centered and yield those things to you, O God. Because, Father, our earnest heart's prayer is that one day, one glorious day, Lord, we hear those words, well done, good and faithful enter into the joys of your Lord and Lord we look forward with longing to that day and we bless you in Jesus name we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about Faith Assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day